Welcome to Magnificat Proclaims, presented to you by Magnificat, a ministry to Catholic women. Whether this is your first time you've listened to our program, or you have been with us many times before, we are delighted that you have joined us. I'm Donna Ross, your host for today's program. We pray that today may be a special day in your life as you experience through the personal testimony of our featured guest, the presence of Jesus Christ among us. He is alive and well. Magnificat taken from Luke chapter 1, is the great hymn of praise that Mary prayed while visiting her cousin Elizabeth. Both women had been deeply touched by God. Elizabeth was bearing a long-awaited child. Mary was carrying within her womb the very Son of God. They came together to help one another, to speak of God's action in their lives, to sing, to pray, to share a common faith, and to be strengthened for all that was to come. Like Mary and Elizabeth, We want to come together in God's presence and proclaim the Almighty has done great things for me and you, and holy is his name. This Magnificat Proclaims series features Catholic Christian women who have shared their testimony at one of the many Magnificat chapters hosting quarterly meals around the world. Typically, this three-hour gathering provides opportunity for a shared meal, fellowship, communal praise and worship, personal testimony of one woman's expression of God's action in her life and intercessory prayer for the needs of the church and of those present. We trust that these testimonies will help each of us come to better understand that we are truly children of God, made in His image and likeness. We are daughters of the King. It is my pleasure to introduce Linda Schubert. Linda is a past member of the Pastoral Advisory Board of the Charismatic Renewal in the Diocese of San Jose, California. She actively is involved in writing, teaching, and prayer ministry. Widely traveled, Linda has ministered in the Philippines, Ireland, North Ireland, Australia, England, Wales, Italy, Belize, Switzerland, Mexico, Nigeria, and throughout the United States. Linda is also a member of Association of Christian Therapists. Once again, it is my pleasure to introduce Linda Schubert. They say if you fly somewhere and you have a briefcase, you're an expert. (laughs) I'm not an expert. You know, I love women's groups especially. 
I've been with Magnificat uh, around the U.S. I've been with Magnificat with Babsy Bleasdale in Trinidad. We had kind of kettle drum music and tea sandwiches on paper plates there with about 800 people. <laughs> I had the privilege of being with my friends on the island of Malta in the Mediterranean. And my friend Miriam England there, I said, oh my gosh, this is Magnificat country. And it was so Marian, and, and I brought Miriam over to see Marilyn Quirk in New Orleans, and they became fast friends, and the Magnificat in Malta is just absolutely blossoming. Then I took Miriam to Poland when I was doing a program in Czestakowa, and the team that was a part of it, I, we looked at them and we said, wow, this is a Magnificat team right here all together. Uh, and that chapter was formed. Miriam has gone on to uh, be the, she's kind of the mama of Europe for Magnificat, and they're starting one in uh, Ireland and Italy and now in Uganda. It's a very important ministry. Uh, and I'm, I'm really pulling back a lot from a lot of overseas travel, but I will go to any Magnificat in the USA. I mean, it just, it's on my heart so much. I was sitting down there making some little notes about what do I want to bring out today. So I just really ask that you would pray with me. Pray for me as I'm talking that that God will fine-tune it and bring out what's what's important for him today. But before I get into things, I, I wanted to just say that as a Catholic convert, I, I didn't grow up with the tradition of Mary. But I, I began uh, doing some writing, and, and in desperation, I would, you know, start with her. You know? <laughs> Whenever I get desperate, I go to her, and wow, <laughs> you know. But anyway, I was writing, and I had this favorite spot in the woods, and I would start with the rosary. And I remember this one time, I was sitting on a rock praying the rosary with all my notes for this book project, and Mary said, I will always take care of you. But how also true that it's the Holy Spirit working through through you, Janie, and through you and for each one of us, and of course lesser ways, but it's the truth of it is there. It's the Holy Spirit that's flowing through our nature, helping to bring to life those that God has put into our care. Ephesians 2, 4. Is, has a lot to say about what I want to say this morning. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace that we're saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us in the heavenly realms that he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. I want to ask you a question. How did God capture your heart? This is a good question, and I want you to think about it a minute. How did he capture your heart? You can, you can give me an answer. You know, you, don't, you can open your mouth. Was, was it his love? What else? What, what is it? His forgiveness? Through Mary. The Holy Spirit? His mercy? You know, it's good to, to think about how he captured your heart because that's his access point to you. You know, it's, it's where he's going to get you in, in those quiet secret times. It's how he's, going to, how he's going to woo you. Because he's been wooing you. You're here because God's wooing you. I think with me, and there's many things, but I would say his absolute utter kindness to me uh, melts my heart. And I was sitting in my room here in this wonderful hotel, and I have this nice room here I'm staying in, and 
And I felt, as I'm, I'm just sitting in bed, I felt like he was wooing me again. Uh, and, and it's like in the quiet times, he's saying, like, I'm glad you made the effort to get here. <laughs> you know, that you got up at four in the morning in California and you got the plane, you know, all that. Uh, that when we, when we just do what he wants us to do, when we look to him, that there, there's going to come a time in this intimacy with him, it's sort of like he'll melt our hearts. I come from a background that's a lot different from yours, and yet we all have so many common bonds. I grew up on the northern California coast uh, in, in an extreme isolation. We had a, my grandma had a 2,400-acre ranch in the high mountain wilderness, and I went to a little one-room country school, had 16 kids in the whole school, six grades, all together in this one room. And... That was precious. You know, that was an awesome thing. But, but then when school is out, we go back to our wilderness isolation. And I grew up with no socialization skills. Nobody to just kind of, you know, I had an older sister, and we didn't even like each other. <laughs> and, and until, until we both really knew the Lord in an intimate, personal way, and now we're really good friends. She's a hospice nurse in Oregon and a very gifted woman, and we really love each other. But back then it was, you know, uh, from my early years, uh, and I had, my dad was an atheist, and my mother was a closet Christian, and uh, generations of Dutch, and not just atheists, but Dutch atheists, you know. My family name was Vanderplue, <laughs> very Dutch. And uh, so I had, I had no... No Christian foundation, except somebody taught me the little children's song, Jesus Loves Me. I don't know who did where, but I would go out on a swing, and I would sing, Jesus Loves Me, this I know. From my earliest years, I was afraid of men. I could not open my spirit and feel free. I was just, uh, then I, I, I went into a, a period of just spinning out of control. 19, I got married. 20, I was divorced. By the time I was about 23, I'd been married and divorced again. I mean, my, it was like I had no foundations. It was like my life was on quicksand. In my mid-20s, I married Ronald Schubert. I carry his name. Six, and then right after we were married, his four children came to live with us from his previous marriage. They were 6, 8, 10, and 12, all at once. <laughs> I hadn't even read a book, What Do You Do With Them? You know? <laughs> And then my husband said that he wanted us to join the Catholic Church. We all marched down to our local Irish parish priest in Palo Alto, California, and presented ourselves to join the church. And I can tell you that he looked very long and very hard at my record. <laughs> God wanted me planted and rooted in his Catholic Church. And many things had to be worked out, obviously, but I was accepted into the church I am a Catholic in good standing, <laughs> and and I'm in uh, Our Lady of Peace Parish in uh, Santa Clara, California. It's a Marian shrine. It's had perpetual adoration of the Blessed Sacrament for almost 30 years, and right in the middle of Silicon Valley. So this process of learning who Jesus was and what he had done for me was a very strengthening. It was strengthening. It was God was building foundations in my life. And it was, it was a very, very healthy time 
even in the midst of raising four stepchildren. It was a beginning. Very often a deeper conversion comes in the midst of trouble. We know that, right? And in my case, my stepson Randy became very ill with a rare, untreatable form of cancer when he was 17. And he died when he was 21. And I have to say, Randy was, of the four of them, he was the boy of my heart. I love all of them, but he was the one that got inside my heart the deepest. And a week after Randy died, I turned on the television, and there was just an evangelist inviting people to surrender their hearts to Jesus. And I remember falling to my knees in front of that stupid television, and I said, God, I am so sorry for the way I've lived my life. I'm so sorry for the things that I've done. There was a grace of a repentance that was so deep that went, it went far beyond my confession to a priest. It, it went to my very roots. And I asked him for his Holy Spirit. I, I didn't even know for sure what I was asking for. The day after that experience, I remember walking outside and there was something so different. And I remember just kind of looking at the sky. There I was in San Jose, California, where I then lived. And, and in wonderment, I looked around and I said, I don't have any friends. Because I had lived all through those difficult, struggling, messy times in my life without one woman that I'd ever shared my heart with. And it was like nobody really knew me. You know what I mean by that? And it was a, it was a revelation of the Holy Spirit. And I remember just saying, oh, God, give me friends. And I walked to Mass every day. And, and right after that, I literally stumbled into the arms of a little gray-haired lady. Her name was Mary Augusta Roseberry wife of a retired FBI agent. <laughs> and God clearly sent her to me. And I would go to her house after Mass, and we'd have coffee and we'd talk, and I'd share just a little bit about my life, and I'd watch her very carefully to make sure she still loved me. <laughs> and bit by bit by bit, there came a time when she knew me. And, and it was the most healing thing in all the world. It was like... Her unconditional love and acceptance, her listening. And there's, we could do a whole day on the healing power of listening to one another. But it was like something old and cold and hard in me began to melt down. And something in me began to come to life. When God captures our hearts, you know, God is love. 1 John 4, 16, God is love, and he who seeks to conform us to his nature of love, right? So he begins to lovingly work on us. And I was this stubborn, independent Dutch girl, always determined to get my own way no matter what. If anything benefited me, I'd listen. If it didn't benefit me, forget it. I look back with a little more kindness toward myself because I realized they were survival skills when I didn't know any better. And it's like the Lord would even say, 
It's okay, honey. You did the best you could with what you knew at the time. So you forgive yourself and you move on. Because God will work with us with so much tenderness and love, knowing our struggles inside. So anyway, with so much love, God began to work on me. My stubborn independence, my, my insecurity, my all this stuff. You know what I mean by stuff. And it's like he was saying, Matthew 6.33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. It's like, honey, you take care of my business, and I'll take care of yours. You don't need to have to be so self-focused. I had a crisis in uh, the mid-'80s when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I was then very strong and active in the Catholic charismatic renewal, and I had well-meaning friends that said, well, you're strong, you can handle it. And the truth is I was strong, and the truth is equally true that I was scared to death. I went into the hospital, and I had a mastectomy. My last night in the hospital, I heard the voice of God in my heart, and he said, I want you to go and pray for the man in the next room. I said, excuse me, God, I'm feeling sorry for myself. <laughs> Send somebody to pray for me instead, <laughs> which he'd already done many times. I finally, after far too much resistance, put on my robe and slippers and went into that room next door. Laying on the bed was a man, nice-looking man in his 30s, probably, and he had a bandage over his eyes. By this time, I had been trained in hospital visitation ministry. I knew that there was an appropriate protocol. I'd been trained in the right protocol, which I did not follow. I went and leaned over his bed, and I said, Excuse me, God sent me to pray for you. <laughs> hey, you do the best you can, right? <laughs> I could see tears starting to trickle down his cheeks. And that precious man said, Today I gave my life to the Lord, and today I learned that I would never see again. He'd been blinded by a gunshot. He said, You can't know how much your coming in here means to me. You just can't know. Oh, man, I prayed and I prayed, and I don't remember what I prayed, but the Spirit of God just filled that room. That very day. And I went back to my room and I got on my knees and I said, God, I am so sorry for being so selfish and self centered. And I don't know how much time I have left in this life because I know that breast cancer is tricky stuff. But I make a vow to you today to make every moment count in the kingdom of God. And I said, With your grace, when you say, Whom shall I send? I will say, Here I am, send me. It's like a whole new level of conversion. I went home and I got a great big world map and I put it on the wall and it became my place of prayer. And I said, I said, God, I'll go here, I'll go there, I'll go anywhere in the world that you want me to go. Since that time, I've been in South Africa, Nigeria, and I've been in India, and I've been in Australia, New Zealand, all through the Caribbean, all through Europe, 
I sometimes find myself just sitting down in tears of what God has done because I said yes. There was a family crisis and my brother-in-law was killed in a plane crash and I came home from his funeral and I sat down and wrote the Little Miracle Hour prayer book. Guided Holy Hour. It's in adoration chapels all throughout the country. And I, the deepest thing in my heart was I said, God, people all over the world are desperate to hear from you. Hearing from God is a topic every, everybody brings up wherever I go. Hearing from God and trust in him. Big issues. Then I said, God, would you put a grace within the pages of this book that people will hear from you? And I offered it to the Blessed Mother. <laughs> right after it came out, maybe two weeks after it came out, I got a phone call from a man. He said, I'm a, I, I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. He said, I live in Oakland, California. I'm 61 years old. I'm a Presbyterian. And I've been a Christian all my life, and I've never heard God speak to me. And somebody gave me your miracle hour, and halfway through it, God spoke to me, and it changed my life. I hadn't told anybody but God what I wanted. But he was prompted to call me and tell me that. And I've, since that time, that's the little book that's taken me around the world. It's been a, a little phenomenon. I've been in, in little country towns in Australia. One time, I, in a little country town, somebody ran up and threw their arms around me and said, I feel like I know you because of Miracle Hour. And people, people would say to me, how did you get going with all this? You know, that's a question. Because I said, you know, I'm an insecure country girl introvert. And I've spoken to groups from 10 to 10,000. Little prayer groups would call me, and I would stumble through it and run and hide, you know. <laughs> and, uh, but they would be patient with me. And I would get better because I had the opportunity to practice. Now, God trained me in both natural and secular ways. One secular way that is really kind of interesting is in California we have traffic school. Do you have traffic school in Nebraska? That means if you get a, a moving violation, you can go through a workshop. Pro you probably have never had to do that here. <laughs> There's no traffic in Nebraska. No traffic. But anyway... I, I was quite an accomplished speeder. <laughs> and I had to go through traffic school a couple of times. The second time, I thought, you know, this is kind of an interesting program. Well, I had this prompting to go down to the National Traffic Safety Institute in San Jose and present myself to become a traffic school instructor. Nice Catholic man who was the head of the program, and he said, well, what kind of experience have you had with traffic? I said, hey, I'm a speeder. <laughs> he said, what kind of experience have you had with groups? I said, oh, I've led hundreds of prayer groups. And I had at that point, and including in a mental hospital. <laughs> that wasn't fun, you know. I mean, I've done a... And, and so for a year... And they have these little schedules. I'd go out on Saturday with my little kit of material, and I would show up at this place, and 30-some 30, 30 people would gather around, and they would sit, and they would tell their traffic sins, you know. <laughs> and, and we'd go through this process. And what was happening was God was loosening me up. You see, I mean, I had people from every walk of life that you could imagine. 
And this, this uptight little insecure thing with God was, oh, you know, oh, you know, uh, that, that God was, was training me just to, hey, you know, hey, loosen up, you know, and to, to be able to be freer. And so that plus just the simple training of groups inviting me because they loved the miracle hour and hoped that I'd be a decent speaker, you know, uh, and that, and so I would get all these opportunities to practice. I had situation, uh, one time I was flying to the Philippines on my first trip there. And, and I remember, it was when I get to faraway places and get really out of my comfort zone that I tend to hear God more clearly. But there I am on the plane flying San Francisco to Tokyo to Manila, and I got so scared and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to get over there and they're going to find out how much I don't know and I'm going to go home in disgrace, you know. <laughs> And right there on the plane, it's like God just grabbed me by the scruff of the neck. And he said, rise up into who you are and fill the position that I have given you. Yes, Lord. (laughs) Yes, Lord. And and another time that is an extraordinary one. Uh, But leading up to that, I was in, I'll build up to this one in Nigeria, because I was in Alaska in Juneau speaking to a whole bunch of prayer group leaders in a big log cabin in the woods and one woman that stood up and she said, hmm, there's somebody here holding a door closed that the Lord wants open. Here I am at the microphone, you know, and I know that that word is for me. <laughs> this wasn't fun, you know. I said, but I knew instantly it just flowed into my spirit. I said, that word is for me. I don't want to go to Africa. But I had never, ever said to anybody anywhere that I didn't want to go. But every time, you know, I'd see Africa on the map, something in me would just kind of hmm, turn away. I was scared. I was just plain scared. And before those people in Alaska, I said, God, I'm sorry. If you call me, I will go. And the beauty of that is that God will do things in our lives to prepare us for what's coming. If if our hearts are open... He probably prepared you for Magnificat in a lot of different ways. Nudges in the spirit. And so my heart, my heart was ready because of that word. God dealt with it. A few weeks later, phone rings, 3 o'clock in the morning. Hello, my name is Victor Asamwota. That's a clue, you know. (laughs) He said, I'm calling you from Lagos, Nigeria. Archbishop Ganaka recommended you for our conference. Will you come? And everything had been dealt with inside of me. And I said, yes, I will come. I flew into Lagos, Nigeria, all on my own to an airport that all of our airports were saying, this is one airport you don't go to because of dangers. Get off the plane, walk into the terminal. The six-foot man is standing there holding up a miracle hour like this. (laughs) (laughs) I get in the car to go to where I'm staying, and the car breaks down. the middle of the night, he says, don't stand over there, stand back over here where people can't see you. This is where the robbers come. (laughs) But then I spoke to 5,000 people in this open field one day. And I was so overwhelmed by the needs of the people there, just incredibly overwhelmed. And I went back to my room at the convent where I was staying, and I cried out to God. I said, God, the needs are so great, and I'm so little. 
And this is the part I want you to take home. He said, little in my hands is much. Little in my hands is much. Oh, God, help me to get into your hands. <laughs> and he's saying that we do as best we can. In him, in his name, in his service. And he could multiply it, you know, like the mustard seed. Grows and grows and grows. Back to my experience before the Lord. I want to read to you something from Father Renero Cantola Mesa. Do you all know who he is? Father Renero Cantola Mesa is the preacher to the Holy Father in Rome. A highly regarded international speaker. And, and I want to read to you something he said, and then a, there's a prayer that is just powerful that I want us to do together concerning what we call baptism in the Spirit. And this is the, the change that happened in me when I surrendered to God. He says, The plan of God in our lives is the same as in the life of Jesus when he walked the earth in the limitations of humanity. It was the Holy Spirit that caused him to be conceived and was with him as he grew and matured in obedience. The Holy Spirit empowered him to walk in ministry in Israel, to suffer, be crucified on our behalf, and to be willing to die so that his Father's plan might take full effect for all of us. This same Spirit of holiness that enabled him is now given by him to enable us to walk in holiness of life with him, in him, and for him. And holiness is most simply understood as a single-mindedness in wanting God to have the joy of guiding and enabling our lives. This is bestowed by faith at the time of our confirmation, but few experience the empowering at that time. All the things of God are first received by faith in the facts that he's spoken, and our experience of these facts will follow as we continue in faith to believe that what God said is really true. And over the ages, our church has proclaimed and continues to proclaim the personal responsibility of all human beings to choose for themselves the plan of God, or the gifts so lavishly given cannot be experienced. The basic sacraments of initiation into our faith have been given to all, and yet without mature adult understanding and acceptance, we don't experience the full benefit of all that God has provided for us in the facts of these sacraments. Let us not continue in our ignorance that is so costly to our everyday life of grace in Jesus Christ, but come to him from whom all blessings flow, Jesus the Christ, the anointed of God, our Savior and Redeemer, and ask him to immerse us in his spirit of holiness. Isn't that powerful? Here's his prayer. And I would like us to say it if we really want to say it from the depths of our heart. I think we need to stand. Because what we're doing when we're standing is we're taking a stand, right? Say this, say this after me. Heavenly Father, I want to have all the experiences in my life that you have provided for me in Jesus. I'm sorry for my pride of knowledge that may have kept me from experiencing any part of the gift you've graciously provided. I repent of this pride, Father. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, to bring me ever deeper 
into my experience of life and reveal your life and love to me. I will receive the gift of your love in your death for me and all that it means. I want you to take over the guidance of my life and be my Lord, even though I don't know all this means right now. I trust you to teach me. Lord Jesus, I ask you to baptize me in your Holy Spirit with all it means to you to do so. I want, you, I want all you've suffered so much to give me to be a part of my life and experience. Oh, Lord Jesus, I empty myself of all that I thought I knew if it stands in your way of teaching me more about yourself. Teach me your love. May your Holy Spirit now be my ability to love and to speak and to live a life worthy of your name. I thank you, Father. I do now receive all of Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I do now receive all of your Holy Spirit. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you've made all this possible by your faithful love. In holiness, teach me, and in your grace, I shall learn. In Jesus' name, I pray. With thanksgiving. Amen. Please be seated again. I want to do this forgiveness prayer next and then talk to you a little bit about loving Father. I choose to forgive everyone in my life, including myself, because you, for, because you have forgiven me. Thank you, Lord, for this grace. I forgive myself for all my sins, faults, and failings. I forgive myself for not being perfect. I accept myself. I make a decision to stop picking on myself and being my own worst enemy. I release the things held against myself. I free myself from bondage. I make peace with myself today. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I forgive my mother for any negativity and unlove she may have extended to me throughout my life, knowingly or unknowingly, for any abuse of any sort, I forgive her today, for any way that she did not provide. A deep, satisfying mother's blessing. I do forgive her today. I release her from bondage. I make peace with her today. 
I forgive my father for any negativity and unlove he may have extended throughout my life, knowingly or unknowingly. For any and all abuses, unkind acts, hurts and deprivations, I do forgive him today. For any way that I did not receive, a full satisfying Father's blessing. A full satisfying Father's blessing. I forgive him today. I forgive him today. I release him from bondage. I release him from bondage. I make peace with him today. I make peace with him today. I forgive my spouse. I forgive my spouse. For any negativity and unlove. For any negativity and unlove. Extended throughout our time together. For all the wounds of our relationship. I forgive my spouse today. I release my spouse from bondage. I make peace between us today. I forgive my children for any hurts. I release them from bondage. I make peace with them today. I forgive my sisters and brothers for any negativity and unlove. I forgive my blood relatives. I forgive my, I forgive my, ancestors, I forgive my ancestors for any negative actions that affect my life today and make it harder today to live in the freedom of a child of God. I release them from bondage. I make peace with them today. I forgive my friends for any actions of negativity and unlove. For any time they abused our relationship or led me astray, I do forgive them. I release them from bondage. I make peace with them today in the power of the Holy Spirit. I forgive my employers of the present and the past. I forgive all school teachers for negative abusive actions. I forgive lawyers, doctors, and nurses and other professionals. I forgive clergy and all representatives of the church. I release them all in Jesus' name. I forgive every member of society who has hurt me in any way. Those who've hurt me by criminal action. Those who've harmed my family. I forgive all in public life who've passed laws opposing Christian values. Father, I ask now for the grace to forgive the one person in life who's hurt me the most. The one who is hardest to forgive, I now choose to forgive, though I may still feel angry and hurt. I make peace with the one family member, the one friend, the one authority figure who has hurt me the most. Lord, is there anyone else I need to forgive? Lord, 
Thank you, Father, for setting me free. Thank you, Father, for setting me free. I now pray a blessing on those who've hurt me. Lord, do something special for them. Lord, do something special for them. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I told you bits and pieces of my story. In my household, in my household that I raised the children in, and uh, it was a mentally ill household. My husband was mentally ill. He's now deceased. But uh, it's like I was always struggling to be healthy in an unhealthy environment. And I'd like to figure out how to give a significant teaching on that, how to be healthy in an unhealthy environment, you know, because a lot of people face that. So I was always sick with something or other, you know. And at one point I went into, uh, and I, I made up this little tune, the beginning of it anyway, and I would go in the bathroom and I would close the door and I would look in the mirror and I would sing it to myself. And I thought, nobody in the whole world will ever know what I'm doing, you know. <laughs> And I would go in there and it would start like this. I would look in the mirror and I'd say, I am healed by the love of Jesus, by the blood that he shed for me. I am healed by the cross of Calvary in the mighty name of Jesus. I'm free. Over and over and over and over. I would sing that to myself. And then I forgot it. Years later, I'm, I'm with a little gathering. And one woman, a precious prayer gathering, one woman wanted prayer. And all of a sudden it flooded back to me. And I went up to her. And I looked her in the eye and I said, You are healed by the love of Jesus, by the blood that he shed for you. You are healed by the cross of Calvary. In the mighty name of Jesus, you're free. She said, Wow, that needs verse 2. <laughs> <laughs> And the, the group together came up with verse 2 by the next morning. Receive the gift of the Father. He now comes with the peace of a dove. Feel him flood your soul like a river as you're filled with the spirit of love. And I, and I marvel that something that, was, that came out of a time of deep pain in my life, and this is the key part, that when we let Jesus into those places that hurt the most, we really let him in. He can, he can not only bring healing for us, but blessings for many, many, many people. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for this precious women and this, the grace of this time in bringing us together. And I, my, Lord, my, the prayer of my heart is that, that each one of us will open to the Spirit. We're all from different places, Lord Jesus, but that with each of us would take a step forward closer to you and, and a deeper trust in you. Lord Jesus, that's my prayer for them and that they will experience your awesome love and, the, and their hearts will be melted and you'll just let them woo you to the max. In Jesus' name, amen.
Sano por el amor de Cristo. 
We certainly hope you have enjoyed Linda Schubert. And for more information or a copy of today's broadcast, please write us at Magnificat Proclaims, P.O. Box 2983, Orange, California, 92859. Once again, Magnificat Proclaims, P.O. Box 2983, Orange, California, zip code 92859. And for some of you, it might be easier to call. So feel free to call us at 800-500-4556. If you would like to have more information about the Magnificat ministry, including a location of a Magnificat chapter in your area, you can call 504-828-MARY. That's 504-828-MARY. Or visit the Magnificat website at www.magnificat-ministry.org. On behalf of Magnificat Proclaims, this is Donna Ross inviting you to join us next time as we present more personal testimonies from our inspirational Catholic speakers. Remember, Magnificat Proclaims the Greatness of the Lord. Until next time, may God bless you and keep you in his peace.